0: You're listening to Innovation Fuel, a business podcast by University of Canada West.
1: Bringing you fantastic stories from accomplished entrepreneurs and key industry professionals. Let's explore the entrepreneurial world through local businesses and our university community. Hello, Gulari. How are you doing today?
0: How? Oh, Dave, I just I remember those days that Nava was a baby, just newborn, and how much difficulty we had with hair, and our teasing. Do you remember teasing time?
1: Hey, do you know how many I have? One, two, three. I've been through it three different times. I totally understand, you know, and the challenges that come along with that element, you know trying to fight through the things that you need to have you know the resources and then you know the ethically sourced the sustainable one and we want to make sure that we don't hurt these precious
0: oh my God. And then, you know, any product you have, then you have to clean it. You have to sanitize it. <laughs> oh, my God. In know bottle warmer. Do you know how many bottled warmer I bought? I bought two because one of them was broke. Another one was, wasn't was very suitable. And and then now it was six months. We figured out she doesn't like warm milk. She wants cold milk. It's, okay. <laughs> it's really interesting. It's it's really interesting. And And I always used to buy the baby products. By reading the weblogs, when I was pregnant, I I call it baby shops. So I went to all the shops that selling the baby products. So and I couldn't understand what are days. So I start reading the um, comments, all the product reviews from other mothers to see that which product I should buy. And I bought all of them online. So I think that this is a challenge for moms to pick the right products and which product is better and how to access to those.
1: And, and you know, again, you know, you see some innovation out there in the baby product lines, but how good is it? You've seen them, you go out and you spend a fortune on these things. Does it actually really work? And are you getting the best value for what you're offering? I think you might, we might have a guest here that might be able to help us get through this situation and maybe help us understand this world of the innovative baby products.
0: Yes, we have Jared Sinez, founder and president of Cork Baby, the baby products. Let's welcome Garrett Sinez to another episode of Innovation Fuel.
1: Yes, welcome to Innovation Fuel, brought to you by University of Canada West. We are here today with a really exciting entrepreneurial journey in a way, but around the baby element, around babies. And I think this individual is going to erupt your world with thinking about how to see an idea, do it better, and move that forward. And and he's just, he, we're going to get there. But before we get there, Garrett, we've got to know who is Garrett.
2: Who is Garrett? Thank you. Super excited to be here. I am an entrepreneur by trade, but really a, a marketer even prior to that. I started actually in my undergraduate degree, marketing there, and then did my MBA afterwards. Came out of my MBA school. Really not knowing what I wanted to do. I knew that I I liked women. So I wanted to go and I joined L'Oreal. And that's where all the women were. Spent some time there for about four years. Kind of wanted to party. I met my wife. And so she gave me an ultimatum really quickly. She's just like, listen, this is going really, really well. But if you want to date, seriously, you got to come to Vancouver. So I walked into the office and quit my job. Moved to Vancouver. And again, I wanted to party. So I joined a beer company called Miller Brewing. So that was a lot of fun. Joined there and worked there for a little while until we got bought out. And uh, started Cork Baby soon thereafter. Cork is a, uh, it's a baby company. Well, it's a production of or a producer of baby products uh, that are really designed and geared towards making life easier. So that's fundamentally where I am. I, I define myself by my work, which is a really weird thing, but probably a, a very commonality between a lot of entrepreneurs.
1: So take us back to the, the fundamental starting of Cork Baby, because something else was happening in your life at this stage that kind of pushed you down this pathway away from the beer industry.
2: Totally. I had a daughter. There she is. I'll show a little photo. You. Any, anytime I have a chance to show a photo of my daughter, I will show her. There she is with my wife. I'm in love. I'm smitten. And I have a second one on the way that is due in January.
0: Wow. Good luck. That's a very good thing. Yeah. I know it's a blessing.
2: Thank you. I'm, uh, I'm full on dad mode right now. So uh, I, I'm in the thick of it.
0: So what happened, you know, that I understand you have a baby, that's the reason. but what did you feel that you need, but there's not in
2: the market that you wanted to create? So ultimately, I mean, like I'm a marketing guy, right? So any, it doesn't matter what industry I'm in. If I look at something and I think I can do it better, I'm going to try and find a way to finagle it, right? So I had a baby and I was using a, I won't name the brand, but it's using a bamboo bowl the bowl cannot go in the oven obviously it cannot go in the microwave it cannot go in the dishwasher it was hand wash only uh it was porous so when you put baby food into it and you put it in the fridge a ring of the baby food would stick to the outside very hard to clean my wife told me she spent 42 dollars on this thing so i was just like okay like instantly in my mind i'm like okay so this is actually a couple things in the baby product category it's a price inelastic good right people want to spend whatever they want for the kids i'm like okay my wife would spend she's not She's relatively price conscious, my wife, and she spent $42 on a bowl, which for me is like, okay, got, got my mind going. And then I started looking at the category because a lot of things we had actually gotten were secondhand from friends or family. And then when you're looking at what is actually available in the category, a lot of it just really lacked true innovation, both from a functional design perspective. So things were poorly made and still really expensive, but then also from a branding perspective, right? Like it was all very, uh either two things for me. It's, it's very kind of like... um Pastels, you know what I mean? The on trend marbly stuff for just designed really for Instagram and parents want to feel good about that. Or it's like Philip DeVant where it's just like, like dark, almost navy blue. Do you know what I mean? Safety or medical leaning focused. So there's nothing really that was fun and exciting. And ultimately, these things are about, it's for kids, right? Products are for kids. And there's nothing really that was doing that. So we thought we could come to market with something better. And we did.
0: So what do you think, that, why do you think that your product is better than the other products that are available in the market? For example, milk warmer or food
2: processor? What we've done so far is we're competing in eight different categories. So we launched right now, and it's very hard to do, but it's it also, there's a strategy behind it. So functionally, every one of the products that we... Produce are functionally better than than the competition, meaning they have more benefits, they have more features, right? And then also we work very very tightly with a logistics chain that is tightly controlled, so we're able to bring cost to market and structure a a margin model whereby it's about 30 to 40 percent cheaper than what's on market. Why your product is cheaper and quality better? We put to market a silicone feeding set, so it's a gift set that has five different things on it. It's a bib, a bowl, a plate and gum-friendly utensils, a a, a spoon and a fork. A bib, for example, if you're gonna buy is around $15 to $20. Plates are $20 to $25. Bowls are $20 to $25 that sometimes include a set. So it's about an $80 value. What we did is we went two levels up uh, in China. We, we, We found a design and a mold that we liked. Everybody else is marketing these things independently, right? Uh, what we decided to do is put it into a gift set, a five-pack gift set. And then because we know the price of silicone, and we also decided not to charge parents an arm and a leg. We're not working at a 120, 130 margin, which a lot of these other players are. We put it and produced it in a pack. And said so we sell it at Walmart for $34.99. So it's about an $80 value product that you're getting for a lot less. And we've done it through, I mean, a logistics chain, but also just through a pricing model that makes sense. And that's, I mean, it's emblematic of why... We've been so incredibly effective so quickly because I I shared this story, like what I just told you, like, hey, I I bought this bowl and I shared it with a buyer at Walmart. And that's my strength. I know how to convey something to a buyer. And it was, here's the bowl. It's crap. It's really expensive. I'm going to put all these things in a kit. And you know what? I'm going to make you your 40 margin. I'm going to work on my 40 margin. It's not going to be 110. And we're going to pass that value on to parents. And that story of, hey, I'm a dad. I'm pissed off about paying through the nose for things. I want to do it better. I have a brand that cuts through the clutter. Take this. It's a very palpable story. So we went to Walmart. Walmart said yes. It took us nationally into 411 stores. And then we went to 25 other buyers, also in Canada, also at every major big box and got listed there.
1: You went directly to the major retailer before anything else. You didn't test it in the market. You just went straight to the major retailer and said, hey, I have this offering.
2: Correct. Everybody's buying silicone sets, right? Like It's not something new or novel or whatever like that. We have loads of products. We've got 35 products that are currently available for sale. We have 75 products that are coming. Those products, you got to get your PMF, your product market fit. I know a silicone set will sell. We made ours better quality silicone. It's more temperature resistant. It's easier to clean. There are some functional benefits, but generally, silicone sets are silicone sets, right? There's nothing new or novel or innovative about it, aside from the mold that you can do and the price you can offer.
1: What a brilliant idea. So you knew that this product would penetrate the market if you got it in at the right pricing element. You saw the value exchange. The value exchange is not with the customer. The value exchange is with the retailer and getting that maximum exposure. Beautiful.
2: Yeah. And like that's very much in tune with Walmart's core promise, right? It's like save money, live better. It's, it's the, the better for less concept, right? So yeah, we, we hit them with those products and it did really, really well, honestly. And then again, for all those entrepreneurs out there, It's all about creating critical mass and momentum, right? So the second Walmart said, yes, what do I do? You're all Canadian. I went to London Drugs, I went to Loblaws, I went to Indigo, I went to Best Buy, I went to Superstore, I went to every major big box and said, listen, it's at Walmart. 51% of the share in Canada in Baby goes to Walmart.
0: Great, but it means when you position yourself for more Walmart, you cannot position yourself for Indigo. Is it the same positioning?
2: Of course it's the same positioning. I'll be very, very clear. There are differences in terms of corporate positioning that indigo and walmart will go there are differences in terms of pricing strategy that we go to at different retailers for example london drugs will never be at a walmart price right it will never be at a walmart price but it doesn't dissuade yourself from your core value prop which is functionally better so there is a, a competitive baby food processor i won't mention it okay but for for tactically for examples there's a competitive baby food processor that sells for 249 okay It just makes baby food. Our baby food processor also makes baby food, but it has a steam sterilizer built into it, and it has a bottle warmer built into it. So there's about a $400 value, and we price at Lended Drugs, for example, at $179, but at Walmart, it's at $149. You have pricing strategies in terms of different retailer dynamics that abide by their retailer strategy, but ultimately, what you're doing is you're still giving a lot of value to customers.
0: But I think what I can see it in your website, your price decision on your website is the same as
2: Walmart. Is it correct? No. Our pricing strategy, you may be looking at Canada versus the United States. Our pricing strategy on, web, on our website, DTC, is it will match the London drugs, which is a premium price. On your website, DTC, you will, pardon my expression, but you'll piss retailers off if you go and you undercut their retailers when you're going to DTC. The thing is with DTC is that my margins, I'm not paying Walmart's 40% right? So I can afford to be high. And then you put advertising costs behind it to get people on your platform, right? To buy. And that advertising costs, you can, if you spend less than 40%, you're breaking even, or you're making the same amount of money. If you sell it to Walmart, the idea is to get your ROS higher than you make. You can scale.
1: Beautiful for future products. So you say you got 75 products coming in the pipeline. You've built that loyalty with this customer base. This customer base can't get all those products at Walmart they can now go back to your direct-to-market.
2: A lot of what we're trying to do right now, everything that we're launching, and this is actually a relatively interesting strategy, I think, for your listeners, is everything that we're doing right now is a L'Oreal consumer packaged goods strategy, okay? So what we're doing, let's just say, I want to launch a breast pump. My, My objective is to launch a breast pump, which is not on the market and we don't have for sale right now. But I want to launch a breast pump. All the breast pumps on the market are rotary dial. They're very, very heavy. They're clunky. Their brand is gross, part of my expression, but they're designed and built around safety. Okay. They're medical grade stuff. And there's brands like Medel, and There's a lot of brands that compete in the breast pump segment. I want to launch that. Okay. Now Medella has been around for 25, 30, 40 years. I honestly don't even know. A long time. Our competitors been doing it a long time. How do you compete against them? Even if you have a superior product, how do you compete against them? They have critical mass. They've got size. They're going to outspend you everywhere and they've already got distribution. You can't. So you'll lose every time. And if you look at other brands that have launched in the baby category, it's littered with companies that have failed. Littered. I've got a new novel tech and they spend a bunch of money. It doesn't hit critical mass and it has to be sold at a discount or it fails. I want to launch a breast pump. What do I do? Well, I can go and I can create a breast pump and create huge marketing campaigns and do the same thing that everybody else does. Right. Generally, a loss losing proposition. Generally. Right. To try because it's so easy to start a brand. Or I can do what we did. We've designed our suite of products. Again, the the USB is to be functionally better and cheaper, right? But I'm I'm doing it with a goal in mind and it's to get share of heart and share of home first, meaning I want to be in as many Canadian households as possible. I want as many customers talking about it. I'm doing as many consumer shows as I can. That's where I'm spending my money. and giving away some products. I'm letting other people buy a discount, getting it as many households as possible. Because I know my products are good and I know that they're better than the competition. And if more people try them, it's the same thing in beer because I worked in beer. We always used to say liquid on lips, right? Get people to try it. If you've got a better product, get it out into as many different places as possible. They'll know it. They'll trust it. They're going to love it. You told me already, people buy or moms buy or even dads do. It's an androgynous category. They buy what their friends buy or they buy what their parents bought. So if they see their friends using it, they're also likely to use it. So the idea is to use products as marketing, use products to get your name out, get people to try it, get them to fall in love with it. Then when I come out in a year and a half or two years, once health Canada finally registers the thing when I come out with a breast pump and my breast pump is cool like it's it's an OLED it's a touchscreen it's like it's like a phone but a breast pump there's games on it you can do that you can play while you're pumping you can sync it with your phone it tracks flow rates you can connect it with your schedule like there's a million AI things that you can do eventually we'll launch lactation consulting directly on an in-app on your phone like no one is doing these things right we are going to it's going to take time obviously with regulations but If I want to get there, I can't just spend and spend and spend and spend to be able to do it. you got to have an organic build. And moreover, so that's the first piece, is the strategy, share of heart, share of home before share of wallet. The other thing is when you're going and launching these 2.0 and these 3.0 products, right, you need to get them into stores. Well, it's a lot easier to get them into stores if you already have store accounts. Like I already have distribution and re- it's a retail. It's literally like buying in the real estate market. It's the same thing, but in consumer package goods, I have retail blocks and space in these stores. When I launched my breast bumps, all I needed to do, swip, okay, I'm, I'm going to discontinue this product. This goes out. This, we can do a, a bunch of other, other things and other different banners, other different pricing strategies. It's an in and out play. So what we're doing is obviously share of heart, share of home with the consumer, but we're also placating retailers and getting to make sure that we have our space that when we've got these products.
1: This is so interesting, Garrett, because we're kind of going against what the grain is out there. Because the grain is saying, niche it, understand the customer, grow it. Like serve what you can, then address a bigger market. But you're going the opposite direction on this. You're going right to bigger market and getting that exposure.
2: Build the plane while you fly. There's two reasons for this. The first, we raised a bunch of money to be able to start this business as you need to do it. That money is not forever, right? There's no... Unlimited amount of money. So you got to use your money effectively. And we did. We feel in terms of innovation, in terms of IP, in terms of legal trademarking and the right things. The second thing is that because that money is not forever and it's, it's not an unlimited basket, you've got to be very strategic in terms of how you spend money. And there are so many brands and so many categories that just put ads out there. People are starting new brands every single day. Well, when that happens, you like, take a look at the efficacy of media in Canada, right? I can send you a bunch of different things if, if you're curious. There's a huge aversion to new brands because anyone can start it. I can, I can create a t-shirt company and create cuts or for, like, first tees and start serving ads on Instagram tomorrow. It takes nothing to be able to do that, right? When that happens and when consumers see that, it works for, I would say, indiscriminate goods. T-shirts is probably a good example. Water guns is probably a good example. I get a water gun out of China and start marketing. Whatever. It's a water gun. People don't care. When it comes to your kids, it's the most paramount, it's the most trusted category, it's the highest discriminant category, right? People wanna make sure that they know and trust what you're going to see. you can't just launch, right? You're gonna fail. That's really why it's, we're doing it this way because you almost need to build, as much as you wanna build an efficacy with retailers, you need to build an efficacy with consumers and no one is gonna buy, even if my breast pump is better and it has more features, they're gonna buy Mandela every single time because the medela its already sold in hospitals. It's when you need a breast pump, right?
0: That's yeah, correct, absolutely, and of course because you when you are in a hospital, they already
2: introduced medela to you. So if you have a huge product innovation pipeline, right, you can't afford to fund it all at the same time. I launched six SKUs initially. I launched two more. That was the first booby bottle, smart portable milk warmer that you guys saw. Those fund your innovation. They fund you you're like it's a it's a business thing, right? It's it's cash flow. It's FCF. It's it's raising, but it's also like you need to have a, at least somewhat of a sustainable business unless you're raising twenty, thirty, forty million dollars start, right? Which we're not doing because we're a startup.
0: I had a question regarding your operation. What I understood from your website is you design it in Vancouver. but the one reason maybe your price is better because the operation is outside Canada. Mm,
2: yes and no. Okay. So we'll start with the design. So the design canada or design in Vancouver is very much like Apple esque, right? The, it's we have four factories. We have three factories in China, one in Korea. All the bottles are done in Korea, which is like the best place for bottles of premium. All the factory does, and manufacturing is done in, in factories in Shanghai. That's due to our network. There's loads of places you can produce. There's Turkey. Turkey makes some fantastic quality silicone. There's lots of things you can do. We chose China because that is where the network was. Uh, One of my partners, I got two partners on it. One was predominantly financial, a real estate guy in Canada. The second was he owns a sourcing company that sources stuff in China, which is why we leaned into those strengths. So when we say design in Vancouver, I have a VP of product here, my social is here. My social person here. My logistics is here. My FPNA is here. My BP finance is here. I'm here. We have employees in China because we got to do QC, right? That makes sense. And we have employees in Korea. But I'd say 70% of our actual people, I mean, we're a small company, but most of us are actually in, based in Canada. It's a Canadian company.
0: Really interesting because when you're talking about manufacture and product, actually product, you don't feel that it can be happened by a very small business. So may I maybe know and the audience, though, how many employees do
2: you have? It's not really true, to be fair. Like I have over 60 people on my business, right? So what we've tried to do as a startup is, I mean, we say outsource, but we agency outsource, meaning I have technically six full-time employees, right? I pay a majority if I can, if there's the ability to, I will pay people on a percentage of sales or a percentage of sourced material or whatever on a, on a percentage basis. That allows me to work it into my cost model and does not contribute to my overhead. Having a high overhead kills your burn, right? Right. Uh, and that's paramount when, you're, when you have a startup. The other thing is it's a very good way of measuring success, right? Like a great example, I have sales brokers, right? So there are, there's agencies that have sales reps that go around to all the different stores and sell all the different stuff when we're not dealing with head office. Like Walmart, we deal head office, and whatever like that. Canadian Tire doesn't. There's franchise stores and those own stores. So we deal with the head office that gets two of our products in line to actually sell in stores through them but all the franchise stores operate independently. Well, who's gonna service those sales reps? Agencies do that, right? So you have, we have all we have 25 reps, for example, and then agency agencies running around selling all these people, but I pay them on a percentage of sales. I'm happy to pay on a percentage of sales because I only pay for merit. If they sell, I work on fantastic margins, I'm happy to pay, right? But it doesn't contribute to my overhead uh, initially. So there's loads of people working on a business and that concept of agency is good. It's good for sales. It's good for QC, both downstream, right? It's good for PR. It's good for media buying. It's good for everything. Like you can you can work on in, in that basis if you structure it that way. But you have to have margins to be able to do it, right? And not everybody does.
0: I understand retails can be your strategic alliance. What else
2: are your strategic partners? Partners? Um, I mean, we have one internally for logistics. Like every organization at some point has to define their center of excellence. Ours first is brand. We know marketing. I know how to design. My, my VP product is phenomenal at that as well. We understand that, right? Then I got like, They had a finance for Miller at the time. She's now working for us, right? Because I wanted to be able to have one person who can do a lot of different things and outsource to accountants rather than having a full-time accountant, full-time FPMA, full-time bookkeeping, all that stuff, right? So that that was the second. The third was logistics. I feel a a very strong logistics chain. If you're starting, a lot of these uh, people who are starting businesses predominantly just go to people who source on Alibaba or along those lines. We don't. We have people who own the factory. Like we're talking with factory owners and they go down... So that's the center of exit. that's the center of exit. They will. I'm not talking to reps. I'm not who can't make a decision. I'm not talking to sourcing managers. Who have to talk to the line managers. Who has to talk to the probably the CEO of the company. Who's talking to the owner. Right. You're talking to people who make sense. And that's only because we have that network that I was talking to through my second partner.
0: I have one more question Is about your supply chain. It Means a lot of people impacted by supply chain challenges. Does it impact you
2: in at all? Or in- we, we launched in the peak of COVID. So yes, not in the ways you would expect. So a lot of people were getting their containers rolled, meaning they'll book an appointment. That appointment just doesn't happen. It expires. It doesn't happen at port. We luckily have some pretty good relationships to make that happen, but we were not alleviated by cost. So I was paying, peak COVID, I was paying $23,000 US per container. That cost is down to $3,000 now, a tenth of what it was, right? So you pay from from a pricing perspective, you pay. I also, in peak COVID, funny example, the way Walmart works, right? Whether you, if they place a purchase order for you, a PO, Let's just say that PO is $100,000. Let's just say arbitrarily. They work on a 40 mar margin or so, depending on the category, depending on the product. Whether you deliver or not, they charge you, right? So on $100,000, and let's just say they make a 40 margin. The second they place that, you deliver. They sell it to consumers. They make 40 margin. You don't deliver on the contract you're paying anyway. they are the bill you for that 40K. Peak COVID, we got a PO. We knew that our container was going to be late or potentially rolled. We air freighted our entire first order for Walmart. Because air freight was cheaper than the 40k. For example, it, it was it was a larger PO, but the, the cost of logistics was less than the cost we would have been built by Walmart anyway. There are challenges that you need to navigate in, in these complexities. So yes, the answer to you is it's we're we're still impacted by logistical challenges, but we found ways and innovative ways to kind of to sort those, both through solutions, but also through relationships. A lot of it sometimes you just got to get in front of the person, right?
1: I would love to tap just a little bit into your next expansion. You've now expanded to the United States. You're looking at Europe,
2: too. We're looking everywhere. So the the, the true answer is, after I got, we're in 1,500 stores in Canada. Entrepreneurs, it's it's just growth, right? Like, you start in concentric circles, then you grow in bigger, bigger, bigger. So Canada was first. uh, Then we got our launch in the United States. We've been focusing a lot, the U.S., since... February of this year, of 2023. Uh, Walmart will not list us till 2025. It's no deal to us. It's just the way that the cycle works. Target, just we got, I was telling you guys earlier, we got confirmed today, which is exciting. We're at Ross, we're in TJ's, we're in Bye Bye Baby, we're in or Best Buy, we're at Amazon, obviously BabyList, all the main things. So that will still continue to grow, but we're placing our bets with retailers, right? And then the the groundswell from, from consumers is happening. Now we're going international. I'm in Germany next week, sorry, the week after next week for k which is the world's largest baby trade show chauffeur, uh, to seek distributors, we've got people in Hong Kong, New Zealand, Australia, and Ireland who are ready to go. Uh, they haven't placed POs yet because they haven't signed the contract until I meet them. Um, and I won't sign the contract until I meet them. We're going international now. Whole set, different set of logistics challenges, whole different set of warehousing, whole different set of consumer challenges. Not every consumer is the same everywhere. You've got packaging issues. You've got compliance issues. You've got certification. You've got different plugs that you need. It's a whole big mess. But um, if we're going to grow at the speed and scale that we say we're going to grow, we can't be beholden to one specific market, which is large in the United States, right? The U.S. is big. It's going to take a long time. And sometimes retailers take two, three years. Walmart released the earnings last week. They're Target's way down, right? So you're kind of beholden to those retailer timelines. And I'm not just going to sit and wait. We're going everywhere as quickly as we possibly can.
1: Exciting, my friend. Very exciting. I know. And we're going to have to get you back to talk about that another time because we want to hear about that element and how you're going globally. But before we wrap up the show today, Garrett, do you you have a challenge that we can throw out to our students? A macro challenge, a micro challenge, maybe one that you're facing, or maybe a macro challenge that we need to be thinking about as students?
2: We're a Canadian brand. We're launching to the United States. There's about 65 to 70% I would say demographic overlap. The US is much more Hispanic than Canada. But generally, we can service the same products in Canada and the United States. We want to go international. I'm going to the trade show in 2 weeks, right? What countries do you think make the most amount of sense for a Canadian brand to expand to and why? That'd be a challenge. There are countries that make total sense, and I don't want those ones. There's loads of countries that have affiliations with Canada. Germany, UK, Japan. Don't want those ones, right? Take a look at the countries that you feel, it may be emerging markets, it may be even tier four countries, whatever. Where do you think a Canadian brand would be most successful and why? You also can't say reverse selling it to China because we're already there or Korea because we're already there. That doesn't make sense. Give me an example of countries that I would not have think of and give me some examples of why you think that uh, has merit.
0: Thank you very much, Garrett. It was great. Uh, Thank you, Dave. That was another episode of Innovation Fuel.
2: Not a problem. Uh, If you guys have any questions, let me know. Also follow us, Quark Baby, on Instagram and social uh, and quarkbaby.com.
0: Thank you for listening to Innovation Fuel. We are on all podcast streaming platforms, Google, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts.
1: Visit our website at www.ucanwest.ca slash innovationfuel. Also, follow us on Instagram at innovation underscore fuel.